Good morning, everybody. Hi to those of you watching online. Um, We are in a four-week series. We're in week three of a four-week series on Matthew 4 through 7. We're going to wrap it up uh, next week by covering chapters 5 through 7 in one sermon because we preached through those chapters just a few years ago. And uh, so, but we're covering Matthew over time. We're going to do it through a series of series. We'll start a brand new series right after that, a series on Matthew 8 and 9. So um, as we get ready for today and start thinking about what today's subject is and the passage that we're looking at today, I want to ask you uh, a question, something for you to think a little bit about. Uh, What is your calling in life? And start formulating in your mind. Maybe you can right away give the answer to that another way. And you might say, well, it depends what you're talking about and various things like that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been called. You've been called. Uh, You follow Jesus, whether you know it or not, (laughs) because he has called you to follow him. But what did he call you to? What's the life that he calls you to? I don't remember the exact moment that I responded uh, to Jesus' call on my life. I know it happened in an evening. I know it happened during the week of vacation Bible school. We were not a church family. I didn't know very much about Jesus. Friend invited me to church, to his VBS. I went to VBS. I received Jesus. And I don't remember that moment. I do remember the next day, though. Weirdly, the next day, very, very clearly, almost as if it was a movie playing in my mind. I went next door to my cousin's house, and who's participating right now online with us uh, down in Florida. And so I went next door and I told my cousin Lester, I said something like, I asked Jesus into my life last night. And he was cooking eggs. I can still see him there at the kitchen at the stove. We were kids. He was cooking some eggs, a little older than me. And he goes, okay, would you like some eggs? (laughs) And uh, so we sat down. I still remember sitting on the little little ledge looking out together at the Florida room uh, at that time. And, um, and so, uh, you know, just very, very vividly remember that. I don't remember, like I say, the moment that I responded to Jesus's call, but I remember I knew life was going to be different. I knew life was going to be completely different from that point on, and it was. And that's what we're talking about today. What difference does it make, or what's different when Jesus calls you to follow and you respond to his call. What's the life that he calls you to? Now, we're only going to skim the surface from the perspective of this passage, but uh, that's what we're going to do today. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 4, and it's on page 968 in our Bibles. And while you're turning in your Bible, I want to remind you that understanding the Bible doesn't have to be a mystery. It tells us the story of God, understanding our role in the story of God. Our part in that story doesn't have to be a mystery, and that's why we open our Bibles every week uh, to study and to learn. And I also want to remind you that as we're looking at the life of Jesus, if you have people in your life who are interested uh, through your conversations with them, you know they're interested, but they're not yet followers of Jesus by their own admission, uh, you might want to invite them to the series that we're doing on the, um, on the Gospel of Matthew. So let's pray, and uh, we'll jump in. Let's pray that God illuminate his word for us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds 
that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, that we may be led into your truth and taught your will. May your will be done in us and through us on earth as it is in heaven for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's watch as a couple of our five ochres read our passage, follow along in Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 18 through 25. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. All right, when Jesus calls you to follow him, what is he calling you to? We're going to look at three things that he's calling us to. Um, first one, Jesus' call is a call to follow. And uh, that may seem rather obvious, but uh, it's not as obvious as you might think. So verse 18, let's look at that again. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Come, follow me, he says. And so when Jesus calls us, he's calling us to follow. That's the response that he's expecting. Now, this snippet that we have here from the life of Jesus where he's calling these four fishermen to follow him, um, we know that there's more to the story than what we see here. In Matthew, um, for his purposes, he just tells us the bare minimum in this story. He does that a lot in the stories uh, that he includes. He tells us just the, the bare minimum. He's got a point that he's trying to make. But we do know from the other gospels that Andrew, one of the fishermen, was a follower of John the Baptist. We know that he had already introduced Peter to Andrew. Uh, we know that because of John the Baptist, they know what John the Baptist said about Jesus. They know certainly about Jesus' baptism and what happened at his baptism. And they have experienced a miracle already uh, from Jesus that Matthew doesn't tell us that story. He just focuses on kind of the, um, the call and the response. So I just say that, uh, not because, you know, we're looking at Matthew. I made a big point of that a few weeks ago. When we look at Matthew, we're not looking at what all the other gospels and what their points are. Matthew is inspired scripture. He has, he's a pastor and a theologian, not just a historian and biographer. Uh, but just understand that when Jesus gives, when Jesus calls people, he actually gives them time to respond to his call. It's not usually like now or never, right now, I know you know nothing about me. He gives them time and it's ultimately a call to respond. 
He gives you time, but it's ultimately a call to respond. In other words, Matthew doesn't record the time and the experiences that they had with him, but he underscores the need to respond. Eventually, you have to respond. And when you don't respond, that is a response. All right, remember that. Now, interestingly, Jesus is calling them to follow him. Jesus is oftentimes called rabbi in the Gospels. Gospel of Matthew, he especially acts like a rabbi, teaches like a rabbi, he's compared to the rabbis, he's called a rabbi, he doesn't, he doesn't deny it when they call him rabbi. He says, no, 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 I'm not a rabbi, he is a rabbi. But he's doing something that the rabbis didn't do at that time. He's inviting people to follow him. Rabbis didn't invite people to follow them, didn't call people to follow them. You asked the rabbi if you could follow the rabbi. That's, that's the way it worked. So what we have here is something that's more akin to in the Old Testament when a prophet would call someone to follow them. And the classic story of that is the story of Elijah when God tells him that Elisha is going to be a successor and says, go tell Elisha to begin following you now. And so we have that story in 1 Kings 19 where it says, so Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak over him and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Now, uh, didn't want to read the rest of the story just for time's sake, but just to tell you, he asked for permission to go back and kiss his parents goodbye, and, and Elijah granted it. But while he was there, he also killed the oxen, and he took the meat, and he gave it to people, and, and all of that. Um, and also a warning, you know, I, I had this week, I had uh, in our all staff meeting, I had people raise their hand who were regular attenders here before they came on staff, and I don't, I don't remember a third, half the hands went up. And um, so just to let you know, this is how it works. If you're out plowing with oxen and I come and I throw my cloak on you, <laughs> you're changing your career. All right, so that's, that's that simple. That's how it's worked with all of them. So stay away from the oxen. This, um, this is prophet Jesus more than rabbi Jesus at this point in the story, in this, in this story. Jesus doesn't even ask. He doesn't say, hey, would you like to come follow me? He calls them to follow. They have a choice, but it's a defining choice. It profoundly changes the life of the one who follows. Back then, it profoundly changes the life of the one who follows now. Ultimately, it requires a response. You, you, you know, the more you do this, you're responding. It ultimately requires a positive response to follow him. So Pastor uh, Brian Wilkerson puts it this way. For many of us, that's how our Christian experience began. Like the fishermen, uh, there, there they were, minding their own business, living a good life or maybe a hard life, when Jesus came along and interrupted us. Maybe we heard about him in church or a friend told us about him or we picked up the Bible for ourselves and read about him and we were so struck by him, by his life and his teaching that we said, I have to find out more about him. And eventually we said, I have to follow him. Jesus' call is a call to follow. Um, there are some implications to that. All right, and I uh, want to give you a couple of those implications. One of those implications is that if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to leave. Uh, 
And it says in the text that they left. They left their nets, they left their boats, they left the family business. So uh, the, the late Tim Keller uh, notes that in traditional cultures like that one and traditional cultures today around the world, to ask someone to leave their family is radical, really radical. Uh, not so much so in modern cultures like what we live in. In modern cultures, it's more to leave your career, especially if you're good at it, you're doing well at it, you love it, you know, that kind of thing. To leave your career, that's more radical because we're more likely to find our identity in our work, and whereas in traditional cultures, they find their identity more in their family of origin and in their family. Um, so what Jesus asks us to do, what he asks them to do, is to swim, and he does this all the time, to swim against the current of both traditional cultures and modern cultures. Following Jesus will result, if you follow Jesus, it will result in swimming against the current of any culture that you live in. They left their boats, they left their families. It's not that they never saw their families again, it's not even that they did, never fished again. But following Jesus disrupted their work and their family life in radical ways. Now, you and I aren't being called to follow a traveling preacher, right? <laughs> Where literally, if you are going to follow a traveling preacher like Jesus, you have to get up and go. He's not staying right there. He's going to be going all kinds of places, and you've got to get up and go. We're not, we're not doing that. Um, but to follow Jesus, even today, means to leave our self-determined priorities. It means to leave the identities that we build ourselves around. And it means to leave the things that offer us the most security. There is a leaving when we follow Jesus. That's why it's not easy to follow Jesus. Even if we're convinced, it's not easy to follow Jesus. The second implication is that we are becoming now, interestingly, in the NIV, uh, Jesus, the tra it's translated that Jesus says, I will send you out to become fishers of people. I will send you out to fish for people, is what it says. I will send you out to fish for people. It's a weird translation. I'm not quite sure why. I looked in, um, it, with the time that I had, I looked in like the NIV uh, study Bible to see why they made that choice, because it, it's not, it's a weird choice. I, in, in my resources, it says, no, it's, it's more of producing something, making something. And so some translations capture that. So the ESV, for example, the English Standard Version says, I will make you fishers of men. Okay, there's a, that element of becoming, something more than sending. So I, I'm not sure why, why they did it that way, but that is in there because discipleship and what Jesus is calling them to, discipleship is about development. It's about what you're becoming. It's a life of learning and growing and transformation. It's not, not like you instantly are completely changed to the point where you have arrived at something. You never arrive at it in this life, but it's about what we will become as we follow Jesus. All right, so to follow has a couple of implications. If you're gonna follow Jesus, and he calls you and you respond, the life he's calling you to is a life of following. Okay, it's a life of following. It means leaving some things. Um, it means becoming something that we are not, okay? A, a change, a transformation that happens throughout our lifetime. Secondly, to uh, be called by Jesus and to respond, the life he's calling us to is a call to witness and to serve, to witness about him, to witness about the gospel, 
and to serve. So look at verse 19, where it says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you uh, to be fishers of people, to fish for people. And then pick up in verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee. Okay, they're going to follow him. They're doing this. The teaching in the rest of the gospel is going to say, this is what we're supposed to be doing too. We're supposed to be involved in this kind of work. So Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News spread about him all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, who, suffering, who were suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. All right, so um, they're called to fish for people, to witness about Jesus, this gospel of the kingdom that he is proclaiming as he goes on. We looked a little bit at that uh, last week, what that is all about. But they're also called to love people and to do acts of compassion for people who are hurting. Uh, They're even called eventually, not in this passage, they're even called eventually to suffer for the sake of being his witnesses in the world. That's part of the calling that he calls us to. Christ's call, Douglas O'Donnell says this, Christ's call is for more than our own salvation. It is a call for salvation of others, for the salvation of others. We need to get, we, we always, that's one of the parts of becoming, we need to have that deep down in our souls. It's very easy to develop a Christianity that is about me and about mine and about our salvation. And that is not what is portrayed in the teaching of Jesus. It's not just about my own salvation. It is about my salvation, but it is a call for the salvation of others. We are fishers of people. Jesus called the first disciples in order to transform them to be fishers of people. And if you're a present day follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, you're also becoming a fisher of people. You're being transformed into being a fisher of people. As we're gonna see later, Jesus speaks of his kingdom spreading throughout the world through us, through his disciples who make disciples, who make more disciples and more disciples. Think of, think of a, um, a batch of dough where you add yeast. It's not just a few yeast cells that make everything produce. It's the yeast, all the yeast cells producing and reproducing and those reproducing and that's what causes the yeast to grow. And Jesus is constantly talking about his kingdom being like his kingdom people being and his kingdom being like yeast in the dough, spreading out as we do what he's called us to do. We're like that yeast. And that's how God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, that's how it works. Again, Pastor Tim Keller describes what Jesus is talking about here, fishing for people like this. He says, Jesus is saying, I'll make you someone who knows how to draw people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. That's what he's making us into. Follow Jesus and you're going to learn how to do that. You're going to learn how to do that. You'll learn how to draw people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. How are we going to do that? How are we going to learn that? It's a few ways. One of it is going to be through the transformation of our character. That's how it's going to happen. That's part of how it's going to happen. Uh, we will be, um, you're, you're going to be a person whose character 
is being transformed by Jesus. You're not going to be perfect. You'll never be perfect. You will be a person being transformed. That is attractive. That is something that draws people to want to know why and how is this happening. That's how you will be a fisher of people. That's part of how you'll be. Not everyone. It's going to be interesting. People are going to be angry and just like they were angry at Jesus. But there are going to be people that are going, your, your story is going to be, I was this, you remember me. I'm now becoming this. And they're going to say, yeah, I see that. I see that in your life. Not perfect, but changing. And you're going to be the kind of person that can admit when you're wrong, when you've blown it, when you are not you know, going in the tra trajectory of becoming more like Jesus, you're going to be the kind of person that can say, I messed up because you can be humble because your, your identity doesn't rest on how well you look in front of other people, but on who Jesus is. He's going to be primary in your life. And you're going to be able to admit when you're wrong. And that's attractive to people. It's not a common thing for people these days to admit when they've been going in a wrong direction, especially it's not the perception that a lot of people have of followers of Jesus in our day and age. So you're gonna become a person who draws others towards Jesus's kingdom and light by the character transformation. Secondly, by depending more and more on the Holy Spirit. Uh, so you're gonna be a person who depends on the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that we're not, we're not alone in this. To become a fisher of people, you're not alone in this. We're dependent on someone that's greater than ourselves. As Jesus followers, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We enter into Jesus' mission through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers and gifts us to reach out to others with God's love. So we become a people that are praying to the Holy Spirit regularly, praying to God for the Holy Spirit to empower us and to equip us to be fishers of people. How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna become better at that? You're gonna be being transformed. A person who's being transformed, you're gonna be someone who's dependent on the Holy Spirit, but also you're gonna be equipped with the very words of Jesus, Jesus' message. You're gonna be a person who spreads the word of Jesus. And you may be thinking, I'm not good with words, and that's, that's the beauty of this, because it's not your words, use his words, use his ideas, you know, share, share that. And, 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 and that comes through study of the Bible, it comes through regular uh, reflection on scripture, daily reflection on scripture, so that it becomes part of our lives. It, it's gonna include some memorization of scripture, key Bible verses, you, 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 begin to think and speak and can give the words, the message of Jesus as, it, as you're washed in it more and more in your life. And then don't just use words, we also use actions. Words and actions are both necessary to fish for people. And in 4.23, it says Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom um, along the same lines uh, for, for speaking words, Paul says, and how can they believe in the one whom they had not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And uh, he says elsewhere, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. So as believers, our conversation should always be full of grace, seasoned with salt truth there, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we're able to speak words when we fish for people, but we also do actions like it tells us throughout this passage and throughout the Gospels. So it's right there. If you look at your sermon application guide, we have it every week, the five blessed practices. Those are some of the ways that you can be a fisher of people, people that you're praying for who are far from God, uh, being a good listener with them, spending time with them, eating, having coffee, doing that kind of thing, serving them, and then sharing your own story. And it's not your just your own story. You're telling the story of Jesus. You're telling the story of Jesus as it has impacted your life. That's what you're telling. So then, what does Jesus call us to? What's the life that Jesus calls us to? He calls us to a life where we follow. Uh, he calls us to a life where we are going to be his witnesses. We're going to fish for people. We're going to serve people. We're going to speak his words. But thirdly, Jesus' call, call is a call to Jesus himself. This is really important. He's not calling you to simply live by his rules. He's not calling you uh, to, okay, these are the practices that you're going to do and just do these practices. It's so much more than that. It includes that, but it is to follow him. <laughs> We're following Jesus. We're entering into a relationship with him. And I wanted to, to end here today because ultimately we're not likely to follow. We're not likely to really follow. I don't mean just associate, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church, you know, that kind of a thing. I try to live a Christian life, that kind of thing. No, no, to follow Jesus, to really follow Jesus. We're not going to do that if we're not attracted to him. If, if we don't see that he is worthy of following and so um, we, we need to understand that he is worthy of following, and he is worthy of following. So we are very keen to understand the implications of the incarnation, God becoming truly God, becoming truly man in his birth in a stable. And we fast forward to the end of the story and we are very keen to understand his suffering on the cross. I don't know that we think very often about the day-to-day -day life. God, the God of the universe, becoming truly man and a willingness to do that for us. Jesus calls us to follow him, to follow him. And so I just want you to to think for a few moments. Um, where is God nudging you today? Your call to follow, which includes becoming, growing, um, which includes leaving. Is he speaking to you, witnessing for him, following him? Where is he nudging you? For some, maybe it's to begin that journey with him, to receive what he did for you on the cross, the scripture tells us we receive that by faith. We can't earn it. Uh, we can't, um, we don't have to change ourselves before 
he will come to live with us and in us and redeem us and reconcile us. We put our faith in him and it's all grace. It's all God's grace. So maybe some of you, it's there. Maybe it's, it's renewing that call to be his witness for you. Or maybe it's renewing that call to spend time in the scripture, getting to know him, the one that we follow better. Where is God nudging you? The last question in the sermon application guide is one that whether your small group is meeting or not this week, you might want to spend some time meditating on the last question, question number seven in the sermon application guide. And, um, and so thinking about what's, what's next in your relationship with people uh, that God has placed you with so that you can bless them with the greatest blessing they could ever receive, which is to know, to know Jesus. So as we begin our time of response, let's take the bread and the cup and remember what Jesus did for us, his grace in calling us. It was he who made it possible for us to respond and his grace that transforms us. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The scripture tells us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you. We thank you that even in this moment, we are proclaiming your death. Our actions, our hearts are proclaiming to each other and even to our world what you've done, our very presence here today. Father, help us to carry that away from here, that that would continue to be our response, that we would proclaim your death to the world around us and that we would really live in gratitude for that and respond with our whole life to that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.